welcome to a special edition of The Exchange. Um, we've had some, in the past week, we've had quite a bit of news uh, in terms of COVID-19 and what it means for our province. Um, so we're just going to give a slightly modified episode. Um, Blake's calling in from his house. Uh, say hello, Blake. Hello. <laughs> how's, how's things at your household? Uh, quarantine is going well. Quarantine's fact, going uh, well, yeah. You know, our whole office is quarantined, but uh, I'm quarantined for a different reason. I was actually doing some business in the States, and uh, that market, we can talk about this on the podcast, but the U.S. is definitely an environment that is going to have a lot of problems because they're not managing their situation well. Um, and I do think that PEI has an opportunity to quarantine this thing, and, you know, thankfully the leadership of uh, Dr. Heather Morrison is helping to keep Islanders informed, and they're not quite getting it when they think about liquor sort of uh, embargoes, but hopefully they'll start to realize the significance of this, and we can chat about that today as well. Yeah, definitely. So I think the idea of this episode, it, we're not we're going to omit an interview just because uh, it's kind of hard to line them up when people are stuck in their homes, but also we don't want we want it to just be kind of an informative little thing um, with maybe some numbers and what, what, what it means for the provincial economy, what it means for the national economy, and then globally as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the big impact, and you know, one thing I'll focus on, is that there's a health element to this that uh, we can't quantify, and we don't want to discuss it. We're not experts with exactly. how to manage this. But from a business perspective, uh, this, this unfortunately, I mean, this is a virus that we have no immunity to. We will have to be inoculated or, or you know, self-inoculate by getting the virus, I presume, um, but substantial impacts. And some of the things that are being discussed today in the province under the leadership of the um, public health officer have suggested any non-essential businesses be closed. Now, we did close proactively before that announcement. It's the right thing to do. Uh, we've dispersed people. We've got the platforms, including Voipo for uh, IP telephones. People can work functionally at home. I think any business uh, that can do that should. And we've got tenants that have proactively done that as well. Uh, the big issue is the impact of the economy and what happens when you've got people displaced. Um, so in our business, we won't function well, but we can continue operations and people, even outside of PEI, whether it's across Canada or the U.S., the entire economy is shutting down. So there's less and less business to do. So this is a forced holiday to some extent, and I think yeah. people have to appreciate it as such. Uh, yeah, and I, like, like you said, we can do a lot of the stuff we can do from our homes, like as long as you have basic internet, I guess, um, but it, it still lacks the kind of client-to-client relationship, I guess, for a lot of companies and like the storefronts. Obviously, retail would take a big hit, um, but we still are seeing some people that are questionably maybe going out. Um, so the province announced, I guess at lunchtime or today, that uh, the liquor stores and the cannabis stores be closing, and within three hours, there's lineups, like neck-to-neck lineups all around the corner of the store. Um, and it doesn't really, I don't think the chief public health office, health, health officer was very pleased with that decision, um, for my honors, but, uh, I guess it shows what is actually essential and what's not in this time. Yeah, I think the problem is, and this is one of the issues of getting message out and the premier King today, um, I guess yesterday as well, chastised the CBC a little bit for limiting. This is an important next to the exchange, this podcast, the CBC is probably one of the more important mediums to get messaging out. So, you know, the fact that there's not a good way to communicate to Islanders and the severity of the situation, that limits people's um, knowledge and their sensitivity to what's happening. And if people don't self-quarantine, whether they like it or not, the potential to capture this virus, you can't not get it. If you're in the public domain and, and you're near it. somebody who has it, they might not be exhibiting any symptoms, you will catch this virus. And it's the flu isn't a virus that you can avoid. 
um, you know, you can get uh, vaccination for it. This is one you cannot avoid. If you're exposed to it, you'll get it. You can't be vaccinated, um, but you can limit it. And I think even from the healthcare perspective, if we don't find a way to manage the impact of the healthcare system, it will very quickly be overrun and overwhelmed. We're seeing that in different places, including New York, where they've actually got ships, um, military vessel ships coming up the harbor, both in the east and west coast, to help alleviate the pressure that they're anticipating just because they didn't quarantine and manage the outbreak effectively. Right, and even like Times Square, there's pictures of it. It's literally, they're clearly doing something right in New York, but there's <laughs> Times Square is completely empty. There's not a soul in sight, which is a good sign, I suppose, but just it's strange because it's never really happened before. Or it's good now, but it probably was appropriate two weeks ago. So, yeah, you're right, I mean, exactly. So it, I guess... These are close... That kind of sets us up for what we can talk about is how the leadership of Dr. Heather Morrison, uh, to put it in frank terms, that she has been a superstar this week in the past couple weeks and kind of has a cool, calm, and collected uh, voice of reason for Islanders that are scared. Um, and even I'm sure she's guiding a lot of our elected officials too because they don't know what, what this situation unfolds or what, what could happen. Um, so I think, that, and even if you check social media, Dr. Heather Morrison is kind of the, the, the main uh, talking point and someone who everyone can kind of look up to. Uh, in terms of the guidance she's given the past week. Yeah, she's trending on Twitter. And I think she's a role model for many people, including my daughters. But she's calm and cool now. Uh, she's a great person to have in hell, but she actually has a job to do. And having press briefings and, and multiple media contacts a day is not her job. She's trained to manage this kind of a crisis. And I think we have to let her do her job, which is to get uh, the healthcare system functioning properly. And, you know, a couple of these media scrums a day probably pulls her out of service for three hours. I'm sure she's not sleeping. She's got a busy household, and um, we're lucky to have her and with her, her background, but we have to let her do her work and, and limit the uh, our needs as media folks. Exactly. Um, and I guess another newsworthy point that CBC earlier today announced that they're suspending local coverage, local, local programming, so that means Compass, which is essentially what everyone's everyone watches every night for their news on stuff like this, said that, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to do a nationwide kind of uh, CBC, I guess, news newscast instead of having the local programming. So what do you think that could affect? How, how could that affect our uh, local population? Uh, well, I mean, the people who rely on that medium to get their message, it's going to affect them. I think what will happen is people will move from that medium and they'll pick up their message in other places, whether it's through Facebook or Twitter, and that may or may not be reliable. In most cases, it's probably not. So I think having balanced journalism is important, especially in these crises. We talked to uh, Teresa Wright about that. Uh, when we did our interview. So I think you do need verifiable, reliable sources of good information. It's not the exchange necessarily, but we could get Louise and Jay. Maybe they could uh, <laughs> yeah. be our hosts. We, we could continue to operate. The one thing I noticed, and I do follow probably more U.S. financial uh, media like uh, CNBC, it's amazing to see how many of the commentators are now functioning remotely. And I think that's for a lot of different reasons. But you know, maybe CBC locally, if there's concern from... Uh, you know, people in, and it's a busy environment, takes a lot of people to put a production on, you know, maybe the producers stay in the station and maybe the commentators uh, are from a different, another location, Somewhere another else. part of the building, or maybe from home. Yeah, kind of like what the Premier's been doing, self-quarantine, and he's Skyping in and from home. I guess that, that would make the most sense, but if they're not going to even allow the local programming, then I guess we'll, uh, we'll, we'll find other ways. Or, and I think this is a kind of a time for the Guardian to shine, or the Exchange, I guess, to, to put their news out. Um, to better. Maybe, yeah, I mean, let's talk to Stu Needby. Maybe we can partner with the Guardian and do a bilateral kind of... Uh, 
exactly. My biggest concern would be that the most vulnerable, so our like our older pop, our senior population, they would be less likely to be on social media, so they would be more focused on CBC Compass. Um, so that 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 was my only concern. Um, but I, I guess desperate times call for desperate measures in terms of health and safety. So that's what CBC decided to do. Hmm. We'll adapt. Um, but I think other mediums, I think in the long term, it may move people away from the high uh, sort of readership or the viewership that the CDC has enjoyed, and they may get their news from other mediums. So it'll exactly. so, be impacts, I suspect. Shifting gears a bit, uh, how how does one suppose we fix the, the economic downturn? Um, we rely on government. So the federal government announced this morning, they've been announcing for a couple of days, but they finally gave out details, uh, about an $82 billion economic aid package for Canadian businesses and families. Um, so $27 billion of this is in direct supports, so that would be actual cash in hand, um, and then another $55 billion in tax deferrals, so that would be pushing taxes later dates or getting giving them uh, uh, like just periods of not having to worry so much, I guess. And also they help for student loans. Um, they push student loan payments out six months and uh, are stopping the accrued interest, so the, the students get a little bit of a break too. Um, so do you think this will be enough to kind of offset what this the economic downturn of the COVID-19 is going to happen? No. Uh, frankly, it's not, unfortunately. And we're in a period where none of these governments really have the uh, financial capacity to do much more than they're doing. The, uh, you know, the central bankers have reduced interest rates to really levels that they have no more flexibility. There's been stimulus packages, uh, both the U.S. and here in Canada now, that are being flooded into the market. Um, it's probably not enough. This period, I think this impact is uh, is not a short-term thing. It could be as, as long as 24 months, I think, depending on how, I guess, the, the virus is managed. But I think even through that management period, um, there's going to be no commerce done. And, you know, businesses are one function, and the government today has addressed that to some extent, which I think is great and shows some leadership. I certainly commend those that uh, stepped up and had a fairly rapid response. But there's a lot of people in the economy that will be affected uh, at the more marginal rates. So these are low-income providers. You look at anything in the service sector, the tourism industry, that is really gone for this year, uh, restaurant workers. So these are people that kind of need income support very rapidly. And we did hear some of the, uh, you know, from Minister McKay, some of the proactive sort of business programming. That's that's a help. It, it stems it a bit. you got to be prepared to turn the tap off. But, um, you know, I've heard suggestions of financing. Is that like an option? How do you bridge finance people, uh, get repayable loans? So maybe finance PBI are doing a little bit of that. But I think it's going to be more than just financing. I think it's going to be a need for uh, startups and inducement investments of accelerant after you get through this bridge period. And I don't know how long that bridge period will be. I don't think it's going to be a quarter. Um, actually, today, Bill uh, Ackman, he very impassionately made a statement that you know, the U.S. immediately has to shut down the economy. He said businesses can survive for 30 days with no income, but they can't survive for two quarters. And if there isn't very aggressive, proactive uh, closure of all commerce, make people stay at home, uh, don't um, you know, get into environments where you can share this disease because you don't know if you have it, the virus rather. If you don't get people into a quarantined environment to address and then maybe find solutions to the virus, uh, the, the economy just can't recover. Businesses will not come back. And he's an investor in Hilton, one of the major investors. Um, he said that industry, you know, at 80% capacity, it can survive. At 50%, it can't, but they're heading to zero. 
and you can see their stock price kind of following that trajectory. So, yeah, I guess um, the short-term inducement and that the government's been proactive federally, certainly provincially. I'm very pleased with what they've done. It's been responsive. Um, and what it does is it kind of uh, sets aside some fear. So people in business, those working for businesses, have a little bit of comfort that there's a plan. And I think that's what people need today. They need to see strong leadership. They need, we need to see it from the premier and his, his key ministers. We need to know that somebody's in charge. They've got to hand the tiller. And it's a path forward. You know, we're going to get through this. And, you know, if Dr. Heather Morrison has a plan to contain the virus and manage our health, then I think people will feel confident and they'll be ready to reemerge from this whenever that is um, and get back to business and get back to life and resume normal activity. So I think a few things are needed. Financing, stimulus, um, this capital. I think we need confident stimulus as well. And I haven't seen that yet, but uh, I believe it's hopefully coming. Yeah, right. And like it's to- like we don't know the actual extent of what will actually happen, um, and it's completely ongoing. So every every hour, there's a new decision. Okay, we have to do this now. Um, and we've seen that the past couple of days. First, they were closing, um, like just like restaurants. I guess were closing their their bar hours. Let's say then they're closing the dining room, and then they're closing altogether. And now we see government departments say, no, you can work from home. Work from home if you can. And now they're saying, no, work from home, no matter what, because we don't want you to be within, in a, we don't you want you to be congregated in a big, in a big uh, group of people. Um, so I, I, like, like you talked about, the gov- provincial government on PEI did announce a $25 million contingency fund, but at, just from the base, I don't think that'll be both, it won't be enough, and I don't think they don't know that how much they'll actually need to spend, because there's no way to really forecast or guess how long this will go on or how much money will actually be needed. Yeah, I think it's going to be, yeah, I think you're clear right, Sam, this is not a manageable sort of situation. It's not it's not manageable from a health perspective. It's not manageable from an economic perspective. Um, I think there's some more capacity there. They've announced $25 million. I think they've given 110 So they've got some more uh, fodder in their can that they can release, and I hope they're, and I'm sure they're planning actually how they're going to release that out. Right. But there's going to be different pivot points, I think, where that's going to have to, you know, hit the economy, and it's going to have to hit different, elements of the economy. Uh, business, of course, is one that we're interested in, uh, but there's a lot of functions of this thing, and you get a better sense for how big and how interconnected we are when you start to see things shut down. Like To make the pronouncement that businesses have to close, that's a big, big deal. Now, internally, we did that decision, uh, and we've gone through, you can see how, how we've evolved as the government has. You know, we started to suggest people might work at home, then we said, okay, you're working at home today. We said, okay, we're shutting the doors. No one's getting in. You are working from home to the extent that there is work to do, and, and that's going to diminish over time. So today, you know, we have projects that are going to continue, but where's that next project come from? And that's exactly. the problem the government's going to have. Uh, where is the next piece of work coming from? How does the economy continue to stay functioning? And without that catalyst to want to create an economy, an environment, I don't know how you stimulate that, uh, but there is, uh, it's probably related to inducements and capital and confidence. You're right. And we can, we can make these decisions from, our, from, I guess from, not from our office today, but from our bedrooms or from our kitchen tables, but, um, we'll see what happens. My biggest concern, uh, especially, well, just cause I worked in the tourism industry for so basically all my teen years, um, at a golf course, but all these companies that rely on seasonal businesses to get up and thriving, like let's say the the wholesalers, um, the liquor stores even, they want these seasonal businesses are coming and they're just not going to be there this summer. Golf courses, a lot of their a lot of their income comes from off-island people, or off-island uh, income, but th- that probably won't be happening until, mi- let's say, mid-summer at the earliest. Even cruise ships are shut down until July 1st, so that's literally all of June gone. 
Um, and we just really don't know what's going to happen for these for the seasonal business or the summer businesses, I should say. Yeah, you know, I, I think my suggestion would be uh, immediately almost a state of I don't know what it, it, it is a state of emergency. Quarantine people at home, force them, and I do think Bill Ackman's probably correct. You've got to make people stay indoors. If people are going to get exposed to the virus, do it in a managed way so the healthcare system can respond to it, get through this period, and then reintroduce uh, a viable economy. I don't think it's going to start with the tourism sector. I think that's going to be beyond repair for this cycle. For this year, yeah. And I think we've got to start looking at how to repair it for next year. And I think one of the suggestions that I have made, actually, to government is let's promote staycations. Probably people aren't going to come to PEI. Probably people aren't going to leave PEI, but how do you induce people to spend money in the local economy and right. keep the local tourism operators viable and vibrant? Well, the thing is, like, let's even we're, best case, we get maritime travel. Best case, we get people from Nova Scotia, we get people from New Brunswick. I don't think we're going to see anyone from, let's say, even Ontario. Like, they, they'd be too scared. And farther out in Canada, um, and especially from the states, uh, we, we just won't see that this summer like we have in the past. So I think that's, that's going to be the focus is how do we get even people from Moncton to come here, but also people from Charlottetown to go to O'Leary for a night or go, or go to Mill River at the resort um, or go down to Surrey for a day. You're right. Just just make it a staycation that you stay on the island because if we don't support – if local people don't support the local economy, there's it's, it's not going to be much of a summer. This is the year for staycation. I think, um, you know, do we want people from other territories coming in? Certainly, the cruise ships, you know, they're viral vessels. They're not going to be coming to our shores. Um, you know, if Dr. Morrison can quarantine our province, do we want to introduce more potential um, viral hosts, I guess, into our environment? So, so maybe we do need to focus on what we can do locally and not worry about the external, which is a substantial component our tourism industry without that investment um you know our, our island staycation base can't make up for what we might lose in income from external anyway yeah. great questions we'll, we'll be tracking this over the next we'll, uh, exactly we'll, we'll, few we'll, weeks and it might even it probably i would say the next few months but hopefully we can kind of like you said get it get it quarantined get the virus um i guess flattened is what they're talking flattening the curve um and lessening the strain on our healthcare system um to kind of make a more global perspective the last week, in terms of stock markets, have been an absolute, uh, I guess, shit show is the right word. <laughs> um, it, it, it's it's just been it's been crazy the volatility of it and how fast it can crash. Um, so, what have you noticed from the stock markets? Uh, besides the thirty cents, thirty percent kind of plummet. Um, you know, I think it's a it's a measure of the confidence of the economy, and more and more today, as you see, transportation companies, the airline industry, the hotel, uh, anything related to travel. These have all collapsed early, uh, but every company is affected. Even Tesla, for instance, uh, the sheriff was outside their office today saying this is a non-essential sort of uh, uh, company and was trying to prevent people from going in. They were there, and the company continued to produce cars. But I think there's this imposition on business, which is, you know, it's a state-led imposition. It's the same as the state-led sort of imposition on business here. But if you want to contain the virus, we can either drag this out over a longer period of time, or we can take a short, aggressive stance, try to clean this as best we can, and then try to get back to a normally functioning economy. If we don't, I mean, this is an 18-month period. It would be 18 months probably before we have vaccines. Um, it could take 24 months before this runs through its cycle and we get people vaccinated, and maybe people will resist vaccination. But someday this will become, uh, I heard another scientist suggest this, will be a, once we get it solved, it'll be childhood illness, just like 
the cold and other ones that, uh, you know, it's managed later in life. Before you get a vaccination when you're young, you may get affected by this, and you're, you're not as affected when you're younger, what we've seen so far in the studies. Right. Um, my kind of, I guess my concern was that in terms of the markets, I guess, like we've seen, like we talked about, um, uh, travel or uh, cruise ship lines or uh, hotels have seen such a diminishing thing, but like you almost have to say, when are you going to, you have to cut your losses and and move on. And I think a lot of even local businesses for the first couple of days were saying, oh, we still want to stay open because we can make a little bit more money. But <laughs> short-term pain was is long-term gain, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is that if you cut your losses now, make sure everyone stays healthy. And if everyone can flatten the curve, then maybe it'll be sooner than 24 months. Uh, but I don't, I don't, people always want to make the quick dollar, I think. And they think they can make that extra dollar by staying open an extra hour or whatever the case may be, but then get exposed so many more people to the illness. Um, so I think if people do have short-term pain, which would be closing the doors today, they could see a long-term gain because there'd be less of a less of a stress on the healthcare system. Yeah, and I mean the virus, uh, it, in certain materials, I think plastics, metals, it can stay active. I think for three days. So, you know, if somebody has it, they're in a store. Um, you just got to protect yourself. And there's hygiene sort of solutions to this that probably not everybody's taking precautions. But um, I think the bigger issue with the markets, it's testing the bottom. It's, it's trying, I mean, it's all based on future. And until there's confidence that this thing is controlled and the cases start to drop, the markets will continue to, to test new lows because there's just not a confidence factor there. Uh, maybe companies will start buying up some stock and if they feel that they, they have confidence in their business, and maybe that's a signal. If uh, organizations are buying their, their stock at a discounted price, maybe that's a point to get in. But th- these are points. I mean, you see how much has dropped already, 10,000 points. Um, no. In hindsight, somebody look and say this is a great opportunity to buy. So if you've got the stomach for it, this may be your moment. <laughs> or if you're young like me, I guess. Um, so... I guess to kind of wrap up in a sense, what do you think, we kind of already answered it, but what do you think business, businesses can do to lessen the burden? Is there a one-size-fits-all solution to lessen the burden of uh, a diminishing stock market? You know, for the stock market, it's probably different. It's a bigger system that affects most local businesses. In our case, you know, we're relying on the confidence of companies, both, you know, primarily locally, but in other provinces. We need them to be confident they need the services that we're providing. And that's the same for everybody, whether you're selling, I know, hardware or restaurants, you need people to be comfortable. They can go out, enjoy your service and make an investment in your company. And until people, individuals and other businesses have that confidence, uh, we're in a stalled position and, uh, this will come. I think once the health system, um, you know, we're going to see cases are going to increase here. They've increased every place and it's going to increase here until we get people quarantined. And then once people are quarantined, it's still another 14 to 30 days before you get a handle on it. So the quicker we get to that quarantine state, um, the quicker we can get the healthcare system managed, the quicker we find a vaccine, then people have confidence. But I think we're a little ways away from that, unfortunately. So how does government support people through this transition? How do we bridge them? These are the questions that I'm sure are, are challenging many greater thinkers than those on the exchange. And we welcome <laughs> them onto this uh, conversations we'd like to hear from them and we can do vir- we can do virtual or by phone like we we've, we've showed this episode um so 
I guess the my biggest takeaway from what Dr. Heather Morrison say said actually she quoted it yesterday is that we come together by staying apart. So that means stay the hell home if you can. Uh, if unless you have to go to get that essential service, you have to, you have to go get groceries, get a medication, whatever. Just stay home. There's no sense going out. Um, you can obviously go outside and exercise, do whatever you want, but stay indoors as long as you can. So that was a great statement, and, and I don't think Dr. Morrison, somebody's looking for a lot of attention. She made probably a fairly casual statement. Now that's become a meme for government, which is probably not the intention, but uh, I think the, the point behind it is important. Um, we want to manage social contact. We want to have some, some social distancing. We might want to have isolation, which is for your own protection, especially if you're in a vulnerable group, which uh, many islanders are. So. Right. Um, so I guess that's probably a good place to wrap up. Um, we'll try to give you frequent updates as needed. Uh, there's probably going to be another two, I would assume, press conferences for the province tomorrow and likely Trudeau again. So there's there's always ongoing dealings, um, and there'll be more details of, of the programs they've announced. Um, anything you wanted to wrap up with, Blake? Well, I think as much as it's beneficial we could do this, I mean, it's something to pass the time for other people. It's not for us, but I think uh, we were not experts in and medical or not have any commentary on the health or the virus. I think we're just making, sharing information that we've picked up and uh, making particularly how it might relate to the economy or politics, but uh, try to find better sources of information, listen directly to the health professionals, and uh, in the absence of CBC, we can help to fill that void. <laughs> Even if it's useless content, we'll fill it. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> we like our own voices, even though yeah, just we can just go back and hear ourselves speak. Anyways, so this has been a coronavirus exclusive episode of the Exchange presented by Confederation Group, um, and we'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs>